Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades, from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Do you have someone you can lean on? Do you need somebody to lean on? Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. I want to thank you for joining us again for another live broadcast of Black Politics Today. Lean on me uh, when you need someone to lean on. I know it's a little bit different than what I normally play, but uh, I thought it was apropos tonight, and I just wanted to to bring something out that's a little bit different and just say, you know what, Uh, we're going through some times right now. Uh, politically, socially, economically, and uh, every now and then we're going to need somebody to lean on to. And so you're going to need to have someone there. You're going to have to have someone that you have to deal with and and be able to deal with them as they try to deal with you. And uh, that's what we need right now. So I just wanted to bring it out to you and say, hey, lean on me right now. Lean on us and and lean on us and do something that that we need tonight, and we'll just make it all work out good for us as we continue to move forward. I want to pause as I do with every show, first of all, and I always pause and I always thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for just allowing me to host this show. Because sometimes when I look back and I think about where we've started and where we've come from, we always need to look back and say, you know what, Lord, thank you for allowing us to get to where we are right now today. So as I look back and always do it with every show, I pause, I say, you know, give honor to God for this platform, for this opportunity, uh, because I know that without him, 
I wouldn't be able to have this show. I wouldn't be here each and every Monday night. I would not be a part of this opportunity to share with you and to bring to you the social, the economic, and the political impact of what's going on in our community. I'm forever grateful because I take it as a blessing and a favor that he showered me with over these years. And I never sit in this chair each week and just take it for granted that I'm going to get guests to come on the show or we're going to have people listen to the show or call in. So I'm grateful to God for that. And it's just one of those things, as you know, that those of you who listen every week, I always pause and say, thank you, Jesus, for just allowing us to host this. Because as many as you know, and probably have experienced personally, either through your life or through a friend, loved one, facing health challenges, uh, times are oftentimes fearful. They're, you know, costly. And unfortunately, those challenging health, those health challenges will sometimes ultimately end up in death. The The reality is that we all came from dust. And we're all going to return to that same point in our life's journey, at some point in our life's journey. And for most of us, the real critical question that we always have is how and when will that time come? And those are the two biggest things that we always try to control. We are always trying to control ourselves or control our lives and dictate and determine what's happening and how it's going to happen. But as we all come to know, that's in God's final plan, and he's the determining factor of what's going to happen. But one of the most tragic manners in which one could lose a loved one or a friend is when it happens suddenly, without notice or preparation, from a car crash, a car accident, uh, from gun violence, from a heart attack, or another devastating health condition like seizures. So tonight, my charge to you is to be aware and more importantly, become aware of the impact of inequities in healthcare and become more aware of the conditions, symptoms, characteristics of your loved ones or friends' medical conditions so that we can be of greater assistance to them and support them in an event that they begin to suffer from whatever illness it is that they have. The inequities of healthcare uh, experienced by African Americans are due to social, political, sociopolitical, and economic factors create barriers to medical attention, and they continue to do so. These are the same individuals who will likely, in this case, develop epilepsy, and that is, as in most cases with health disparities more likely for African Americans to develop health disparities because of the socio-political and economic factors and the barriers than our white counterparts. In fact, 635,000 African Americans have been diagnosed by the health by a healthcare professional uh, to have had or to be diagnosed with epilepsy or a seizure disorder. And yet there remains still a lack of knowledge and understanding about epilepsy and its related conditions among minority populations. And for our, for our community, uh, we face major obstacles when it comes to receiving medical care uh, for epilepsy. And quite frankly, let's be honest, uh, we could use the same uh, obstacles for just healthcare in general. Some of the major obstacles include limited financial resources, lack of knowledge about epilepsy, poor patient and provider communication, and a lack of social support. Now, those clearly are not 
exclusive to epilepsy in our community. Those are probably the, the, the major factors in which we all deal with in terms of healthcare and, and, and receiving healthcare uh, equitably. But the lack of knowledge and the prevalence of misinformation about epilepsy in our community, compounded by poor communication with our physicians, contributes to the social stigma felt by many African-Americans. And tonight, we will discuss the impact of epilepsy on the African-American community during this month, which is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. But did you know, epilepsy is the fourth most common neurological uh, disease affected, affecting people in all ages groups. Not only that, 150,000 new cases are reported each year. More than 3.4 million people are living with epilepsy, and one in 26 individuals will develop epilepsy in their lifetime. So tonight, we're going to be discussing that with our guest, Ms. Veronica Crow. She's the manager of Foundation Relations at the Epilepsy Foundation. She has been living with epilepsy for 25 years. After failing seven medical, uh, failing seven medications, uh, she joined a clinical trial uh, for a new medication. And after five years now, her tonic, clonic, or clonic, I believe that's how you pronounce it, seizures are now under control. And although uh, those are under control, she still suffers from absent seizures, which we're going to discuss later and get into. And then joining uh, uh, Ms. Crow is also uh, Dr. Stephen Owens. Dr. Owens is a uh, seasoned family medicine and public health trained physician with expertise in minority health issues. Uh, he is also deals with health equity, health equity and disparities in public health practice. Uh, he is the Vice President of Programs and Services for the Epilepsy Foundation, as, and, and he is also responsible for the supervision of all the programs and services at the foundation and its wellness institutions. So I want to welcome both of them to the show. Welcome to the show, uh, Ms. Crow and Dr. Owens. Thank you. Hello, and thank if you, you for having me. Thank you. And if you want to join the conversation or if you have a question, please give us a call at 516 516- Five nine zero zero one four three. That's five one six five nine zero zero one four three. Normally, I, I I want to thank both of you first of all just for joining me tonight and helping us better understand epilepsy, especially how it's impacting the African American community. And uh, I've only done a few shows that I that I would categorize as as pure life and death shows. Um, and uh, this one is probably at, at the top of the list. Uh, I, I did a show because my mother suffers from Alzheimer's, so I, I did a show on Alzheimer's. I've done shows on on gun violence, but this is this is one of those shows that I'm I'm really believing and thinking and 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 feeling that it's going to have a greater impact than even those shows. So I want to thank you for joining us, especially uh, during this time when we're doing uh, national awareness. And uh, making as November is National Awareness Month forward, but I want to thank you for joining us tonight and taking the time out of your busy schedules to to come and help us understand what epilepsy is and and how it's impacting our lives in our community. Thank you. 
So I'm going to start with you, Dr. Owens. I normally start with the ladies, so uh, uh, Veronica, <laughs> give me a moment. But I want to start with you, Dr. Owens. <laughs> I want to start with you because I want you to help us lay this foundation and help our listeners get a better understanding of what epilepsy is. Now, can, can you share with us what exactly is epilepsy? And then what is SUDEP, the, the S-U-D-E-P, I'm, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, what is that and how does that relate to epilepsy? Okay, let's thank you for having us again uh, from the Epilepsy Foundation. We are very excited at uh, any opportunity to share information um, about epilepsy and seizures. Um, just putting a quick plug in for the foundation. We are a national organization based in Washington, D.C., with 50 local offices across the country. Uh, we are uh, a one-stop place where you can get any information you want about epilepsy. We uh, exist to um, lead a fight for people that are living with epilepsy just to overcome those challenges. And we also have a research component, so we want to really accelerate cures and therapies for people um, living uh, with epilepsy. But most of all, we really want to stop seizures and find cures and save lives, which connect to part of the topic that uh, you brought up with SUDEP. But before I um, go into SUDEP per se, I think it's just good for the audience to have a basic knowledge of what epilepsy is or just a definition. And so in, in basic terms, um, epilepsy is um, just the underlying tendency of the brain just to produce seizures, which are um, sudden abnormal um, bursts of electrical energy uh, within the brain, which can disrupt brain function. And as you shared, um, uh, epilepsy is a serious brain disorder worldwide and affects men, women, uh, uh, people of all race groups and ethnicities. But just take, but we know what epilepsy is. But in order to have epilepsy, you have to have a seizure. And so seizures can come from any part of the brain. And, and the type of outward or symptoms that a person has is depending on where the seizure is originating in the brain. So there are different types of seizures. Um, there are over 20 types of seizures. But most often when you say seizure, um, an image coming to somebody um, to your head that someone's stiffening and, and jerking and maybe the eyes are rolling back and maybe some salivation. And so that's what you mentioned in your introduction. It's like a generalized um, tonic-clonic seizure. That just means that it's impacting both sides of the brain. But that's gotcha. only 20% of the seizures. The majority of the seizures are what we call focal seizure, or, or you mentioned abside. That's a type of focal seizure. But that type of, of seizure is like 80%, and it's not convulsing, and it can be something as simple as a brief staring spell or a slight jerk or, or a slight tremor. And in some cases, it can cause people um, to, uh, can wonder or laugh out loud, per se, and not realize they're laughing, lose their train of thought. But more so you're getting ahead of me, doctor. You're getting ahead of me now because, see, I was going to ask that question. 
Um, but yeah. go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, yeah. because I want to I, I, I want to touch on that. Since you opened up that door for me, I'm gonna have to cross off that question now. But since you opened that door, mm-hmm. let me ask you this, because I was reading and researching, and it was talking about like staring or daydreaming. Those are seizures, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. So right. does that mean that that many of us, I know I daydream sometimes, or I'm you know staring like just looking around. Are those indications of me having a seizure? Possibly, possibly. Wow. Um, okay. The only way to confirm it is to actually do what we call an electroencephalogram, an EEG, where you can actually see the brain activity of having a certain pattern. It's like people have EKGs for the heart. There's a, a type of EKG per se, but it's measuring brain waves and mm-hmm. different patterns. Uh, but but that's what we're, uh, uh, Ms. Crow and I, we are here to really raise awareness of a very different type of seizure. For an example, if, uh, uh, the, if, if, again, as I share, depending on what part of the brain, if it's one side or both eyes, that's the type of symptom you're going to have. So um, you may see young children where they may be misdiagnosed as having attention deficit um, disorder and hyperactivity because they may be having small seizures and not really knowing that they're losing track of time. Um, Wow. Right. And as we age, we have an increased risk of having seizures. And so oftentimes what we call senior moments in the elderly population, they're actually having seizures. Seizures. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. So 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 let me. Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to catch you off because n- now you have me at thinking about other questions that uh, that uh, are, are triggering thoughts for me. So thinking, uh, looking at it in, in those aspects, and thinking about it from the the the, the, the healthcare because you 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 touched on it like misdiagnosis. The the, those misdiagnoses, I, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mm-hmm. and how they are impacting our community, because like you said, if you diagnose my child as being um, ADD or, or attention def- uh, deficit disorder, and now you're prescribing medication for that, but reality, he's having seizures, how does that then impact his quality of life and his way of life um, as he's growing up because he's been misdiagnosed? Well, it can have dramatic impacts on a child being misdiagnosed, um, having um, um, misdiagnosed with uh, attention deficit or some type of mood disorder and um, versus um, uh, actually with the right diagnosis of epilepsy. So just think about it. Uh, the, the child may be put in a special education type class, mm-hmm. in remedial type classes. Um, wow. Could, uh, in, in this often time, it could um, lead to uh, encounters with the judicial system. Uh, it could, uh, the child could be at increased risk for uh, abuse um, because the parent may not mm. understand or the teacher. Right. So it's, right. It's with, without a proper diagnosis and just talking about it, in, in, you know, every case of ADD is epilepsy and vice versa. But just the wow. fact that just to talk about it, just to say, well, maybe this child is acting differently and it's not a tissue deficit. Maybe there should be further tests done. And so in, in some of the drugs that may be started could mask the effects 
of the child having seizures, or it could uh, worsen the seizures as well. Wow. So, so you you mentioned it was one of the other things that I that I noticed is that when I was looking at epilepsy and seizures, and then looking at the different uh, types of seizures, like you said, there's like 20 different seizures out there, which was amazing to me. I, of course, never knew that, had no clue that 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 was there. But also, there is the difference between epilepsy and seizures. And something that I, you know, as a layman, thought that they were combined together. So you can have epilepsy, or you can have seizures, but not have epilepsy, but you can't have epilepsy without seizures. Is that correct? That that is correct. So so in order to be diagnosed with epilepsy, you must have seizures. But every seizure is an epilepsy. So for an example, um, say if someone has an infection and they develop a very high fever, um, once you uh, once the um, the infection is controlled and the fever goes away and the person may not have a seizure. Um, also, things um, that could um, provoke, per se, um, a person having a seizure, um, um, alcohol withdrawals. Um, certain people that have uh, that are alcohol dependent, when you uh, lower the rate of the, the um, blood level of alcohol, they can start mm-hmm. trimming and have, having seizures. Uh, someone um, have a, a, a brain, an injury to the brain, um, that could provoke the seizure. Someone having a car accident or or um, a tumor that may metastasize to the brain or stuff, or that can trigger a seizure. But if you remove that stimulus or that condition, the seizure will go away. But with epilepsy, epilepsy is... Um, um, is the result of having um, seizures or the tendency to have what we call unprovoked seizures. We don't know what the cause um, um, to have those recurring. Or if you have two um, um, unprovoked seizures within a 24-hour, greater than a 24-hour period, and if the seizure continues to happen after you remove that um Cause like I mentioned, the high fever, which could be some type of infection, or 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 if it's the alcohol withdrawal, you know, controlling that. So if you, if those type of seizures, if that if the person having a seizure, we know what's causing the seizure, and we remove that cause, that is not epilepsy. But if the person continue to have unprovoked seizures that we don't know the cause, um, that is epilepsy. Interesting, interesting. Um, and so, there the is are there are there certain types of seizures that are more critical or more um, uh, fatal than others? Um, it, 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 every seizure is not an epileptic seizure, but are epileptic seizures the most critical, or are they like ranked? Are there like, for lack of a better term, are there rankings of seizures? Like one seizure is more uh, 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 fatal than another, or you know, are they? Well, do they have those type of um, areas to of concern? Well, yes. Um, so let, let's take a couple of steps back. One of the um, topics or conditions that you mentioned was C which is sudden unexpected death and epilepsy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the the, the um, epilepsy, it is rare per se for someone to die of Sue death. And Sue death is um, is other is of death as it as the name implies. It's unexpected. So if you realize all of the causes, pretty much in a healthy person, and they just have a seizure and pass and die. Um, that type of seizure are people who are at risk for um, sued up per se are those who have uncontrolled seizures, uh, those who have seizures mostly at night in their sleep, and also very some data show that it, it, it's more um, um, connected to a men person, say, versus females. Okay. But, uh, but if you have um, the generalized tonic-clonic where both sides of the brain um, is impacted by the seizure, it's mm-hmm. both parts of the brain, and mm-hmm. the person continues to have one seizure after the next after the next, that increases the risk of a person uh, uh, passing or dying from the seizure when it's mm-hmm. not uh, controlled. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um so when when we think of the the idea of of daydreaming and then misdiagnoses, what are the what are the um, I guess the steps that uh, we should take or look into doing if someone in our family is constantly like staring, having blank stares, or, or you know, losing their sort of like losing their train of thought, where they're sitting there and you have to like snap your finger and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Oh, I guess I was daydreaming. Uh, wh- what are some of the things that we need to look for or, or be aware of? What What are the triggers? Are there Are there certain triggers that we need to look for uh, uh, for different for different types of seizures? Maybe may be epileptic and or just uh, uh, seizures, uh, the seizure disorders. Are there are there triggers or things like that we need to look for? Yes, and um, I want to speak about triggers in in a couple of different settings. Uh, um, um, triggers with someone who's diagnosed with seizures and their own medicine uh, versus as uh, the case that you described. Um, no one knows what's going on in the family. The number one cause or the number one excuse me, not cause, the number one trigger of seizures is mismedication. So that's someone who's already been diagnosed and for some reason they forget to take their medicine. Mm-hmm. And to make the connection as you shared earlier, but that's not any different from other chronic diseases. The number one cause of people blood pressure out of control. They're not taking their mm-hmm. diagnosis and now blood pressure medicine. They're not taking their right. blood pressure medicine. So right. it's not unique for epilepsy, um, that mismedicine. Okay, so that's that. Those that's the number one cause of uh, of someone once they're diagnosed um, uh, is mismedication. Other okay. causes of mismedic are uh, 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 triggers of seizures per se once they're diagnosed. Um, stress, um, and so in, in a stressful situation can be uh, something um, uh, as as well. People handle stress or encounter stress differently. But uh, with students, it could be uh, studying for an exam. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be like a, a performance re- review for employment. Uh, it could uh, be a stressful relationship, a financial stress. I mean, stress is coming all different forms. So that um, is another trigger uh, for um, seizures. 
Another um, trigger um, is, uh, I mentioned this medication, um, stress, and the um, lack of sleep, so not getting okay. enough rest. Um, that's the other thing. And, and also alcohol can trigger um, seizures. But well, doctor, he, doctor, uh, yeah. let, let's talk about that one about not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, I, I might be in that category, but I want to know if we're gonna, <laughs> I want to, I want to know if I'm having any seizures or not. So please help me out here. <laughs> when you talk about lack of sleep, are, are are you saying just because you're working too much, or are you just talking like insomnia type, not sleeping, like you just can't get to sleep, or is it just because you? Like me, I'm working all the time. I may, you know, go to bed at one, two o'clock in the morning, but then I'm waking up at six or seven um, and have only four or five hours worth of sleep, if if, if that much. And um, I'm back to the grind. Uh, am I at risk for seizures, or or what what what's what's going on? Talk to me. But well, what I was describing was someone who's already diagnosed um, with okay. seizures. Okay. Per se. Oh, that's, all right. So that all right. that, that those Thank you, Jesus. Examples I would <laughs> give. No, because uh, people, as you describe, um, um, may not get the seven to eight hours of sleep. That doesn't mean that it's going to trigger a seizure. But okay. when someone is diagnosed with epilepsy, these are types of behaviors that we know could trigger a seizure. And maybe gotcha. we, since we have you know, Ms. Crow gotcha. on, she may can um, share with some things that may trigger her seizures. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to get to her as well. I wanted to take a break, but I wanted to get that foundation from you and, and lay that out there because I want to talk to her uh, as well, and maybe we'll do that right now. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Ms. Veronica Crow. Uh, she is the uh, manager for um, Foundation Relations at the Epilepsy um, Foundation, and uh, she is also a survivor of epilepsy. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to uh, come back, and we're going to talk to her about what, uh, how she's been dealing with it, how she's been living with uh, epilepsy over the past uh, 25 years. We'll be right back. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. The bare necessities of healthy living are easier than you think. You better believe it. It all starts with the right balance of being active and eating well. You eat air? You're going to love the way they tickle. And the food pyramid shows you the way. With just the right amount of exercise and the necessary grains, vegetables, fruits, milk, and meats and beans to keep you and your family on a path to good health. Just the bare necessities of life. Just remember, every food group every day. Crazy. Start by taking small steps. Steps that add up to a happier, healthier life. Try making half your grains whole. Or start adding fruit to breakfast. Me and Baloo, we've got things to do. So eat right. Have a banana. Be active. I'll move. That's it. And have lots of fun. Yeah, man. For your own path to a healthier you, visit MyPyramid.gov. Oh, man. This is really living. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Ag Council. You're listening to Black Politics Today. 
an eye for what's at stake in global politics, and your source for the social, economic, and political impact on the African-American community. So join the conversation at 516-590-0143 and share your viewpoint at 516-590-0143. Now back to your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Kelly Michael Williams. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. Tonight, we're talking epilepsy. Be aware, be alert. Epilepsy is uh, uh, the fourth most common uh, neurological uh, disease uh, uh, affecting all ages, and more than 637,000 African Americans have been diagnosed with this uh, uh, disease, uh, sometimes fatal disease, and uh, more than 150,000 will be uh, diagnosed or new cases each year. I think uh, one in 26 will uh, uh, acquire or be diagnosed with um, epilepsy in their lifetime. And a uh, number of statistics go on and on and on. Um, three and 3.4, nearly 3.5 million people are living with epilepsy. African Americans are living with their epilepsy uh, today. Or no, 337,000 uh, African Americans are living with uh, 375,000 African Americans living with epilepsy, and then 3.4 million people in uh, in the nation are living with it as well. Uh, I want to welcome back to the show our guest, uh, Dr. Stephen uh, Owens who is the Vice President of Programs and Services at the Epilepsy Foundation, as well as Ms. Veronica Crow. She's the Manager of Foundation Relations, and she is a epilepsy survivor, and we want to welcome them back to the show. Um, Veronica, let let me talk to you, because um, as Dr. Crow laid everything out for us and and gave us our foundation of of what's happening and and what's going on, let me talk to you because you are one of those 375,000 African-Americans living with epilepsy. Uh, how old were you when you were first diagnosed um, with epilepsy? I was 14 years old when I was diagnosed with epilepsy. So I had my first tonic-clonic seizure at 13, and um, my mother and I were not aware of exactly what epilepsy was, so I went to a doctor and I was um, basically tested right away because I started having many and they pretty much came out of nowhere. And Mm. as we learned about other types of um, seizures, we realized that I'd been having focal seizures for years. And those are the type where you would go into a daze and not hear anybody, not like you were saying, to just lose train of thought. And over those years, people simply thought I was ignoring them. I was actually having seizures, and we didn't realize it. Wow. And over time, they just turned into tonic-clonic seizures as well. So given your experience and your history, and and Dr. Um, Owens, you may chime in on this too if necessary. So if if you had understood or known about your seizures, um, the, the 
the daydreaming or the, the, the staring seizure. And I, I can't remember how you pronounce those. Those are phonic? Uh, focal seizures. Focal, focal seizures. If you have been diagnosed at that time as having those seizures, was there treatment that you could have received at that time that would have prevented you from actually, I guess, advancing or escalating to the tonic seizures? Um, at that time, I believe there um, probably was, um, since, I, since I was a, a child, I'm not exactly sure what I would have been able to take, what type of treatment. Mm-hmm. So as I got uh, older, I was able to take other things. Got you. Dr. Dr. Owens, uh, chime in on that if you can to let us know, because what I really want to do is, if, if for those who, who are listening, parents, I want them to be able to understand that, yeah, let's try to make sure we diagnose this early if we can prevent some more severe seizures to come on later on. Right. And the type of diagnosis, well, the type of medicine depends on, uh, as Ms. Crow mentioned, the age of the person. Um, gotcha. Um, and other factors, and so it's hard to go back 25 years and say, oh, she couldn't have started off this particular medicine. But right. often, uh, more often than not, uh, people are initiated, uh, initially evaluated by a primary care provider, either in the doctor's office or in the emergency room. And some of the drugs that are started um, can control the seizures, per se, but, when you, but it's very important to get started on the right drug because there's certain drugs that you may not want a woman of childbearing age to take uh, versus other type of drugs. Some drugs have um, different types of side effects. And so right. there are a number of things we take into consideration before we prescribe a person on an anti-seizure drug. Interesting. So, uh, Veronica, let me ask you, I mean, 25 years is a long time. And as I understand, there's no real cure. So how has life been for you? Um, because you've clearly had a number of seizures over that period of time. Um, how hard has it been to live with it? Or, or what are some of the, the, I guess, the barriers that you have to deal with that, uh, every day and, um, you know, being a survivor and living with uh, epilepsy? Uh, life has I can't say it started off very scary when I was first diagnosed because my seizures were constant and I had majority tonic-clonic seizures in my sleep. So those are the type of seizures, as Dr. Owens mentioned, where you it is more possible to um, have pseudo, to die in your sleep. So that is something I was constantly worried about and especially my mother. So during, as I, as in high school and college, that was always something in the back of my mind, knowing this could happen. And as um, stress and lack of sleep are my main triggers, so, of course, that simply only added to it. It caused me to have even more. But over over time, I had to learn how to balance life and not be so scared to realize, okay, enjoy enjoy your life as you have it right now. Don't always think everything is going to cause a seizure, so don't just constantly be nervous or afraid. Still enjoy your life as it is. So that is 
pretty much why I con- I went to college, um, found a career that I enjoyed, and just tried to try to do the things that I really like and have a full life no matter what what may have happened. All right. So how many years were you actually, um, as you look back or as you were diagnosed and, and looking back, how many years had you been having the, um, the, uh, the minor seizures or this, the, um, uh, staring and things of that nature before you were actually diagnosed, uh, with epilepsy? So I had, when I think back, I'd been having those seizures for six years. And we simply didn't wow. realize that they were seizures. Wow. So even so, even now, although my tonic-clonic seizures are um, controlled with medication, I do still have those. I have fewer, but I still have them. But now I'm at a point where although I can't hear what a person is saying and I can't talk, I've kind of learned how to give a person a signal so they're aware of what's happening mm-hmm. or even they realize, okay, she's trying to say something she can't to just mm-hmm. stop, let, let this go through. And then I come out of it and I'm, I'm good. It's like it so never de- even happened. Okay. So describe that for our audience uh, is are the, are the tonic clonic seizures, the, the severe shaking seizures, or are they more subtle, subdued, which ones are the tonic-clonic seizures that um, most people are, I mean, or anyone could be aware of as as, as you would describe them? Well, for me, tonic-clonic seizures, I would be totally unconscious. So I can't wow. even tell you exactly what happens while I have a tonic-clonic seizure. I had to be told yeah. afterwards. So I've been told that many times I would, fall, um, I, I would start jerking, I hate to say this, but you urinate, and um, sometimes I would be taken to um, an emergency room, and I may not wake up until about two hours later, and people have to explain to me what happened. And even after them, and I'm giving medication, I'm still, my body is totally tired, and I'm still sleeping for another five or six hours. Wow. So, Doctor uh, Owens, um, help help us understand uh, those those types of seizures. Because one of the questions I have is, I know growing up or just in in general and in passing, uh, growing up uh, having kids or friends at school who had seizures and had epilepsy, or at least that's what we thought they had. Um, in that time, they would always say, well, you know, um, put a put a comb in their mouth or something so they wouldn't uh, bite down or bite their tongue or swallow their tongue and things of that nature. Then I've heard, well, no, don't do that. What are some of the – first of all, talk to me about the seizures, the, the type of tonic-clonic seizures are, the, the violent shaking or, or whatever they may be. And then what are some of the things that uh, family members, friends, or people should look out for? in terms of how to assist care or not to assist in care for a loved one or friend uh, who may be suffering or going through a seizure? So you bring up uh, uh, several points. Uh, the generalized tonic-clonic seizure, I, uh, that's 
I, I call that the TV season. What people see on TV, those images in Hollywood, that's what Miss um, uh, Crow just described. Uh, okay. And as I just shared earlier, that that's only represents about twenty percent of the seizures. But there are certain things, as you mentioned, to do or keep a person uh, safe while um, they are experiencing a seizure because they do not know that they're having a seizure, uh, particularly with a generalized uh, tonic-clonic. So the first thing you want to do when you witness someone having a seizure is to um, stay with them and then immediately start timing the seizure because oftentimes, um, seizure lasts less than five minutes, on average three to five minutes, and then it's over. So the first thing you want to do is stay uh, with the person. You also want to keep them safe. Keep them safe, meaning if they are about to fall, to guide them to the floor. Uh, if they're shaking, uh, take off the sweater or, or use the palm of your hand uh, so they will not uh, bang uh, their head or if they have a type of seizure that makes them wonder and just walk around, just guide them. Do not try to restrain them because that could be more harmful uh, if you try to restrain restrain the person. So you want to keep them, you want to stay with them, start having a seizure immediately, keep them safe. And the third part is to lay them on their side, uh, and that way if they are drooling, um, the salivacus, um, drain out the side of their mouth. They won't aspirate on it. Um, as you alluded to, do not, do not, do not put anything in anyone's mouth that's experiencing a seizure. That's a myth that a person can swallow their tongue. Anatomically, it is impossible for a person to swallow their tongue. And also, it can harm the person who's assisting um, the person that's having the seizure. So don't put a spoon, don't put a wallet. Don't put anything um, into a person. Now, don't try to give them food. Don't try to give them water. Nothing until the person has fully recovered and fully conscious. Uh, so those are the uh, things that we try to tell people: um, stay, stay, five. And most seizures are not an emergency. So once the person regains conscious or comes back to their normal state, mm-hmm. um, stay with the person. But when you may want some type of medical intervention, one, if the person is pregnant or if they are diabetic or if the person injured themselves uh, when they had uh, a seizure or if it's a person that's known to you that have a seizure and the seizure lasts more than five minutes and they may have another type of seizure so they can go from a tonic, tonic to a focal and back or so if it's unusual, those are the times when it's an uh, emergency where you should take a person to an emergency room. Wow. So seizures can literally last, you know, three to five minutes or longer. I mean, that, that seems like a long time, um, especially if, if it's like the, the severe shaking or things of that nature. That seems like a very long time. I mean, just being silent for three to five minutes it's it's difficult, you know. What, um, how long or, or I, like uh, Miss Crow was saying that you know sometimes she will be sleeping, she won't wake up for two hours. Uh, how long can these seizures last? Well, normally they last from three to five minutes, uh, uh, and the person comes out of it. 
but if they're having a one speech at the next, it could last longer. But um, those are the type that where you should take a person to an emergency room and get um, up, uh, um, emergency care. But on, and, um, but most part, the seizures just last approximately uh, one to three minutes, um, mm-hmm. say three to five. That's on the high end. But usually um, if, it, if the person uh, comes back to his or her normal state, um, it, there's no, there's not a, a, a reason um, to take it to an emergency room. As Ms. Crow described, they may be tired, they may need a little rest, um, but um, the average is around three to five minutes at most. And then, uh, Ms. Crow, you also said that um, you are unconscious at the time. Um, are, is, is that um, moments and times that are the most crucial or critical in terms of um, uh, having any fatal uh, results or what happens during that time or, or how is that, you know, ex- explain to us or talk to our, our audience about those moments of that unconsciousness and then the severity of that and what ultimately that means in terms of like uh, the, the, the treatment or aspects of, of epilepsy during that time to be unconscious and then waking up and, and realizing that you, you know, aren't aware of what's happening and what's going on. I believe when a person has, seizures that um, causes them to go unconscious, that's when you know it's best to um, possibly have a caregiver or have someone around you who knows what is going on, knows how to help you. That way you stay safe while you're having a seizure. They know what to do. They know if it's necessary to take you to the hospital because when when you may be around a group of people who don't have a clue what's going on, don't know any seizure, first aid, you can be in a very unsafe situation, and that could possibly leave you, um, bring you to a fatal issue because everyone is possibly nervous trying to figure out what's going on, but maybe not help because they think whatever they do may make your situation even worse. So it could bring bring you to a even worse situation. There there's no there's no um way to describe does will it will it be worse or not? It just I I right. feel when you have when you have seizures that leave a person unconscious, there is mm-hmm. absolutely nothing they can do right then. People are making decisions for them. So, so it definitely doctor, is a bad situation. So, Dr. Owens, in situations like that, is it, I mean, that to me would be clearly somewhere where you, you contact emergency personnel and you get, you know, um, EMTs there or things of that nature. But what is the care that you give to someone like that? Because, I mean, in everything you're saying, you, you're doing that. But as uh, Veronica said, you know, in those cases, she's unconscious. Uh, and, you know, for layman's terms, she's passed out and then she then sleeps for even after she awakes, she sleeps for another five hours. But during that time of unconsciousness, what does one do? How did I mean, how does one help and assist 
um, and keeping her safe and, and doing the things that need to be done when uh, they don't know what to do? Well, it's very scary, um, and, but that's why... We I'm scared talking about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's why we want people to be able to recognize and know what to do when they have when they witness someone when they witness someone they witness someone having a having a having a seizure. Um, it could yeah, it could it could last uh, longer um, than five minutes, but it's very important that you witness. And to stay safe, uh, to stay calm, in order to keep the person safe. Um, yes, it may feel like the time is lasting forever, but it's, it it really lasts approximately five minutes. So what seems like a very long time is really just as long of a time. And so, are there like classes, courses, or things of that nature that individuals can take um, if they are if they have family relatives or people like that who have um, uh, epilepsy, or to be a caregiver or, or something of that nature, or like CPR? It can be something that they can just go to and do just so that they're prepared for it, so they're in the right place at the right time. They can be of assistance to someone similar to like a CPR class. Doctor, yes, that's for you, Doctor. Yes, Doctor yes, Owen. Yes, yes, yes. We have at the foundation we have what we call a seizure first aid. Uh, we're trying to get everybody in the country to recognize and respond properly to seizures, just like um, the American Heart Association have uh, CPR and the right. past to recognize stroke. Uh, we have uh, developed an evidence-based training um, to help people. Uh, be able to respond and recognize um, seizures and know what to do when a person is having a seizure. So we call it seizure first aid. Okay. And so, Veronica, and so, when – Oh, and someone can get trained either through at epilepsy.com through our learning uh, management system or contact one of our local offices, and we can come out and do the training for uh, different organizations and individuals. Oh, Okay. All right. So go online, folks, uh, to epilepsy.com uh, and uh, look up and, and if you would like to be a um, uh, caretaker, caregiver, I guess that's probably the right term I could use in terms of uh, uh, helping out or getting trained so that you can be aware of what's uh, how to treat someone with epilepsy, similar to if it were uh, CPR training. Uh, things of that nature or stroke training, uh, certainly the Epilepsy Foundation has that. Um, and I was going to ask you, Veronica, um, g- looking at, you know, more than half a million African-Americans being diagnosed with epilepsy and the seizures disorders um, and, and having that, what are some of the things that you do or that you can advise uh, those who are living with epilepsy now and or uh, family members to do to try to assist in the quality of life of someone with epilepsy? But there are definitely many things that I believe people should, people should do. For example, um, one is to see a specialist about your, um, about your seizures, because with many um, epileptologists, that's what they're called. They are, they keep up, um, regularly about research and knowing uh, what the newest treatments are 
that are coming out, and that was very helpful for me. That's how I was able to join a clinical trial instead of having brain surgery because I was too scared, but it ended up working out for me. So I think also many people need to realize that there are more options than simply what one doctor tells you, oh, you should try that. Do a lot of research yourself. Don't wait for someone to just tell you what you should do. Um, Actually take the time and learn for yourself, but also um, learn how to balance out your life. Don't, Don't live your life in a lot of fear. Realize that, okay, epilepsy is not my entire life. It's just something I'm going through, but I, I I can handle it. Don't don't let it just take completely over. Continue to go to school. Com- continue to do whatever hobbies you like. Don't let it over overwhelm you because I think that's what a lot of people do when they're first diagnosed because they don't fully understand what they're going to be dealing with, and a lot of times it just it just takes over. And definitely go to support groups because you need to realize you are not the only person dealing with this. And I've made a lot of friends who now who also have epilepsy, and we have turned it into a family. We always have somebody to go to to talk to if there's an issue. So, and 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 Dr. Owens, you might be the person to ask this, but I'm going to ask you, Veronica, first of all. What you know? Why is there still inequities in diagnoses, in treatment, in care um, among African Americans compared to you know our white counterparts? What 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 is is it is it just because that's just the the nature of the beast that we have to live with in this country, or is there more to it uh, uh, in terms of? just a denial or a lack of concern or treatment? Why is there still so much, you know, inequities? And then on the second part of that, why is there still that area of, of uh, lack of knowledge and understanding in our community? I think one part is the fact that many people in our community don't talk about epilepsy. So we are not always aware that, so many others are dealing with the same thing that we could have a better, a larger connection to this and talk about it more. So it's, it's almost the fact that many people may be embarrassed or ashamed and they really shouldn't be. Go ahead, Dr. Owens. Have about um, epilepsy. 
Interesting. And so what, what's at stake for us, Veronica? Um, and I'm going to ask uh, both of you, what's at stake for us in this area? Because I, I'm, I'm fascinated. I, I have to tell you, I'm so glad we did this show. I'm, I'm very excited. I want to do another one. Um, I, I don't know how we do it or, or what we're going to do, but um, this was certainly eye-opening for me um, beyond just the reading of it, but actually hearing what you're talking about and thinking about the 20 different types of seizures and just the daydreaming and the yawning, I mean, excuse me, the, the day stares and the unconsciousness, so many different things. And then ADD, that's probably one of the biggest things that I, I, I'm taking away from this um, with you, Dr. Owens. So Veronica, what's at stake for us? What's at stake for African-Americans? What's at stake for us with this, uh, this disease? And uh, what are your feelings of how we should, um, how we should move forward? I think one of the main things of what's at stake is um, expanding awareness. For example, um, this show is one is a way to expand awareness, but the more that people learn about it means that they are not so nervous when they see someone having a seizure. They're able to um, openly help. They're, they're calm. They know what to do. So if someone, one of their friends, someone in their family finds out, becomes diagnosed, it is not something to be embarrassed about. Everybody wants to help. Everybody is open to doing whatever they need to become, um, learn seizure first aid, take, um, participate in um, programs to help those who, who also have seizures. Become more aware and realize that this is not something to be embarrassed about. Very good. Dr. Owens, uh, what's at stake for us? What's at stake for us, if we don't embrace some of the knowledge and understanding about epilepsy, is people will continue to die unnecessarily from epilepsy. So it's at stake for us to become informed, understand how to recognize and response to seizures, and also make sure we get um, accurately diagnosed early and soon. And, um, and not accept seizures to say, no, he's not going to have seizures. And the goal is zero seizures with no side effects of the medicine. So at stake for us, uh, people will die if we don't continue, if we, if we continue to ignore the severity of this condition among African Americans. Wow. Wow. I, w- I want to thank you both. And certainly uh, I want to thank you, Dr. Owens, and, and those of you listening. You can go to um, you can read Dr. Owens latest article in this uh, latest issue of Black Politics Today magazine, where they talk about the sudden uh, unexpected uh, death due to epilepsy and the impact on the African-American community. So I want to thank you for that, Dr. Owens. And certainly uh, our platform is open to you at any time. Uh, you have something to say or you want to put out there on, on, on the web or in our magazine or certainly come on the show and talk about it. Um, and, of course, Veronica, I want to commend you and congratulate you for the 25 years that you've been um, living with, surviving, and living your best life, <clears throat> excuse me, living your best life uh, and not, uh, you know, uh, shying away from the things that you want to do in life and moving forward. I want to thank you both for joining us tonight. Uh I, I know I, I usually end with what's at stake, but I, I just feel like uh, give us some parting uh, insight and information, Veronica, that you that you want to put out there um, 
and it, it, whatever it is, just just give us some more. I, I I just need I have a feeling that I just need to say more or do more about this because this is certainly, as I said when I opened up the show, probably one of the the most impactful shows that I think I, I I've done uh, in terms of when we talk about life and death. But um, it, I I like I said I I want to make sure that we keep this dialogue open and we do some more of this because this is. Um, interesting, fascinating, scary. It, it's so many things to me right now. There's so much thing, so much going through my head right now. Uh, I, I just want to give you an open mic to just say what you want to say about epilepsy, what you've lived with, what you're doing, and, and what you want to uh, people to take away from it. Well, I definitely want people to realize that you can live with epilepsy. You can live a good life not be scared. I love to travel. I probably travel too much, but I have a career that I love, and I definitely was not about to let epilepsy stop me from going there, but I would um, uh, suggest that many people go to our website, uh, epilepsy.com. There are um, there's a lot of resources there about the type of programs and services that we have for those with epilepsy. You can go to um, um, clinical trial portal. So if you want to do your own research about what might what trials might be helpful for you, and take them back to your doctor and discuss them. And there's just a lot of information on there that could be extremely helpful for you to get started. Don't don't Excellent. wait for your doctor to tell you about it. Exactly, exactly. And parents certainly make sure that you uh, you uh, take your child for a second diagnosis uh, whenever you're dealing with something. Dr. Owens, uh, any parting thoughts that you want to leave us, leave us with um, before you get busy with your activities that you have to get to? Yes, I would just encourage people to get educated as much as they can. Um, do not accept seizures. Uh, go see a primary care provider. If you're not getting the answers you want, go to a neurologist or epileptologist and visit epilepsy.com for all the information and resources that we have through the foundation. Again, I want to thank my guest tonight, uh, Ms. Veronica uh, Crow, uh, Manager of Foundation Relations at the Epilepsy Foundation, and Dr. Stephen Owens, Vice President of Programs and Services at the Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, I, I just want to thank you so much. And as I say with each show, I always close out the show with <clears throat> what's at stake for you and your family. Tonight, I think we have been blessed with valuable information of understanding that our children may not have ADD. They may be having seizures. And being able to diagnose those early and, and possibly if, if available, getting um, medication for that and getting care for that is crucial and vital for your child's, you know, uh, progress, life, and, and what they're going to be doing uh, moving forward. So I am going to encourage you. I'm going to uh, em implore you to make sure that whenever you get a diagnosis of ADD, you go back and, and have that child see a neurologist or something else and give them the thought of, could it possibly be epilepsy? Could it possibly be seizures and they're just um, missing out at that moment in time where they're uh, uh, daydreaming or, or, you know, losing consciousness or something of that nature where uh, they're unaware and it's not being ignored or it's not, not paying attention, but it's a medical condition that we probably haven't diagnosed properly. So do that because what's at stake for you and your family is truly how we are being uh, 
uh, uh, treated in terms of medically uh, induced drugs or medically evaluations, make sure you go out there and get tested, get treated, and, and find the proper diagnosis so that you can get the proper care and proper resources. And then secondly, make sure you go to epilepsy.com, sign up for one of their uh, care uh, 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 programs or, or classes uh, similar to CPR class. Make sure you sign up for one of those uh, epilepsy um, care uh, classes where you can get trained and understand exactly how to deal with someone that may be having an epileptic seizure uh, in public so that we can make sure we keep everyone safe and sound. And then, of course, with these statistics as they are, 150,000 new cases, 375,000 African-Americans living with it, 675,000 being diagnosed, one in 26 uh, developing it in their lifetime, 3.4 million living with it. We want to make sure that we as a community take care of ourselves and our family and our loved ones. Let's stop looking at our loved ones and friends and family and just labeling them in one form or fashion, crazy or whatever we do. But let's start looking at them in the healthcare or in a health um, uh, disparity uh, uh, vision and understand that health disparity is real. Health inequities is real. And ultimately and unfortunately, as we say in, in so many areas, when African-Americans have issues, we're usually at the top of the list and we're suffering the most from it. So as we say, when the nation has a cold, African-Americans have the flu or pneumonia or something like that, that's exactly right in so many areas. And we have to stop allowing that to be the norm and start moving forward to doing something about that. Like Veronica said, she didn't take her diagnosis and stop living. She decided to live beyond her diagnosis. Let us all start living beyond our diagnosis. Until next week, if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays to you. And, of course, uh, week after next, uh, we'll be back with our show, uh, certainly looking at the impeachment and other things that are going to be going on and what's happening on Capitol Hill, what's happening across this country, and, and what's going to be happening in this 2020 election. People, get registered, be ready to vote. And come out and do what you know you need to do. Do not sit on your behind like you did in 2016. Because some of you crazy fools sat back there and let somebody get in there that's crazy. And now you're suffering the consequences. Let him get in there again. And you may suffer even more. Until next week. Once again, I want to thank you for joining us again. And thank my guests, Veronica Crow and Dr. Stephen Owens and the Epilepsy Foundation. Go to their website, epilepsy.com, and check out their information. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, let's join uh, Bill Withers and uh, talk to about just the two of us. Okay. Is he still here? Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today. 
an eye for what's at stake in global politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.